welcome to the 513th episode of Travel Witch Radio. I'm your host, Dan Schlossberg, along with co-host Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee, and we are in the 12th season of Travel Witch Radio, the show that lets you enjoy the pleasures of travel from the comfort of your armchair. Every week at this time, we talk to people representing destinations, hotels, airlines, railroads, car rental companies, and others in the world of travel and hospitality, from authors and bloggers to broadcasters and publicists. If it's got anything to do with travel, it's got everything to do with Travel Itch Radio. Remember the Alamo? Every good Texan does. So tonight, we proudly present Jonathan Yoon, Director of Communications and Community Outreach at the Alamo Trust. Welcome, Jonathan, to Travel Itch Radio. Dan, Mary Ellen, it's a pleasure to be with you on from the Alamo City down here in San Antonio, Texas. Okay, and you told us offline before we went on the air that the Alamo actually has been voted the number one tourist attraction beating out Central Park and a few other things. Tell us a little more about that. That's right. So there was a wonderful competition uh, for about six weeks. Uh, and in the end of March, um, after we were nominated with many sites, including Golden Gate Bridge, Central Park, the Freedom Trail, and a handful of other uh, very uh, important American icons, uh, the Alamo, and, and thank you to our base, as well as a, a number of our elected officials that promoted the voting, uh, we were um, voted the number one tourist destination for 2023. Uh, in the nation, uh, which we're very proud of. In 2016, we actually came in fourth place. This time, we were nominated again, again, and, and uh, punched this one into the goal line. Woohoo! Well, the Alamo has an interesting 300 years of history. It served as the chapel of the Spanish mission, quarters for troops, housing for Indians, Tejanos and squatters, a hospital, an army supply depot, a Masonic lodge, a jail, a commercial store and warehouse, a public park, tourist attraction, movie set and a UNESCO World Heritage Site. To Texans, however, it will always be the Alamo Shrine of Texas Liberty. How did it come to be known best as just that? That's a great question, Dan. Um, so the Alamo is, is actually in its current location going to uh, commemorate its 300th anniversary at that location. Uh, so the, the actual long barrack, the first structure that's still standing today, one of the oldest standing buildings in Texas, was constructed in 1724. And it is just covered with a lot of history, as you mentioned. Um, but notably, a cornerstone of that history um, is the Battle of the Alamo that took place on March 6, 1836. And like Gettysburg, Fort Sumter, Valley Forge, this is a very, very important battlefield in American history where 189 Texans gave their lives to fight for freedom and independence uh, from the nation of Mexico. We understand the Battle of the Alamo actually lasted only 13 days. Is that right? That's correct. So it's February 23, 1836 to March 6, uh, 8, uh, 1836. Um, and that was a very important time uh, in, our, in our country's history because um, there, there were a lot of echoes of revolution that were taking place. Um, and today, personally, when you're really looking at um, our nation's history, because you have the Revolutionary War and the Civil War and the antebellum period, so just before the Civil War, there's really a thirst for knowledge of what took place during that point and period of time. There was Western expansion, and a lot of that had to do with um, Texas ultimately becoming the 28th state in 1845. But prior to that, it was actually its own independent nation starting 
uh, on March 2nd, 1836, just four days before the final Battle of the Alamo. So there's a lot of history, very important American history, that is very, very intertwined at the very grounds of the Alamo. And the battle cry of Remember the Alamo is almost as famous as the site itself. How did it gain that recognition? Great question. Um, so on April 21st, 1836, there was the Battle of San Jacinto. That was the final battle that took place for the Texas Revolution. Um, that was just about a month and a half after the Battle of the Alamo. So when the, the Alamo uh, sadly fell, again, March 6th, 1836, that was uh, the, the rallying cry for the troops um, as they were actually attacking Santa Anta's troops at San Jacinto, um, winning Texas independence from the Mexican government. And the Alamo sits in downtown San Antonio, and this is where the battle was fought. But isn't this the third and hopefully the final location of the Mission Fort? And why was it moved that's, and from where? That's correct. So, yes, as I mentioned, the long barrack where it sits today um, was constructed in 1724. Now, just prior to that, because if you do look at the Alamo's lineage overall, uh, it is stated that uh, the mission was, was founded in 1718. And that's correct. Much like, as you mentioned, there was a, a previous location. Um, so it's just the other side, really the western side of downtown San Antonio, a, a, a location called the San Pedro Creek. Um, so initially, when the, um, the Spanish uh, missionary period took place and they started initial construction, um, it, it was very, very early on in 1718. And uh, they obviously didn't have FEMA floodplain maps like we do today or any kind of digital topography mapping. Um, so a hurricane actually struck the coast of Texas, and they learned very quickly that it was in a, a poor location. So about six uh, years later, they actually constructed the new location where it stands today. And the Alamo changed hands at least 16 times among Spanish, Mexican, Texan, Union, and Confederate forces between 1810 and the end of the Civil War. Development began creeping onto the former mission's grounds as early as the 1850s. What remarkable feats have been undertaken to preserve the property? Excellent question as well. So um, just across the street of the Alamo itself is what's called the Crockett Block. Uh, there are buildings there that um, are historical landmarks, especially the Crockett Building, built in 1882, and then the historic Woolworth Building, which actually had one of the first integrated lunch counters in the south of the United States um, that was peacefully integrated on March 16th. 1960, um, which is a story we're looking forward to telling in that exact block um, because uh, that'll be the location of the new $150 million uh, Alamo Visitor Center and Museum. And those structures were actually built on top of what was the western wall of the Alamo because when people come to the Alamo, oftentimes they think the church is just the Alamo, that iconic look with the roof shot with the bell shape, which we call the parapet on top. But it was much larger. It was a four-and-a-half-acre site. And we're really looking forward to telling a lot of these stories. But further to your, your question about preservation, um, so the state of Texas recently in the uh, state legislature just passed and signed by the governor about $400 million for the new Alamo Plan redevelopment project. And $50 million of that $400 million will go to preservation of the historic church in Long Barrack that are our most important artifacts on site. What is the Remember the Alamo Foundation and the goal of the Alamo Plan? Yes. So the Alamo Plan itself, let me take the, the latter first, or excuse me, the former first. 
Um, that is a very important initiative that we are doing to bring uh, reverence and respect to the battle site itself. So uh, about two years ago, we actually closed off the street that was right in front of the Alamo because at the time um, and over time, uh, the downtown San Antonio area encroached on the battle site, buildings, roads, structures. And now, um, much like how you wouldn't want cars driving over Gettysburg, we're doing, we're doing the same, ensuring that the um, traffic is only pedestrian friendly at the grounds of the Alamo, what we're going to be calling the Alamo District, which will be a half a billion dollar reinvestment into the site, which should be completed in early 2027. So for your listeners, if you're looking to come to the, uh, the San Antonio area, please note that in 2027, a lot of new exciting changes will be coming over time, but will be completed in 2027 that we're very, very excited about. And that's what the uh, very short version of what the Alamo plan is. On top of the $400 million, though, I mentioned that the state has provided to the site. You remember the Alamo Foundation is the, um, the fundraising arm of the Alamo or Alamo Trust, the organization 501c3 I work for. And we still have a goal of raising $150 million. We've raised $50 million to date. So we still have another $100 million to go. So if anyone is interested in uh, helping out with this project, they can go to thealamo.org to learn more about the project or if they want to see if they can help out in any way. In January of 2019, Alamo Plaza was finally reunified with the Alamo Church and Long Barrack, and efforts began to reclaim the historic 1836 battlefield. Why is that so significant for history buffs? So, as I mentioned, what we're really trying to do is ensure that we are uh, recapturing a lot of the historic site and battlefield. And the plaza is located directly in front of the church. Uh, in fact, it's, it's adjacent to not only the church and Long Barrett, but as well as uh, the Cenotaph, a monument to the 189 uh, Alamo defenders that perished on March 6, 1836, giving their lives for Texas freedom. So, making sure that we are fully connecting the site, recapturing the battlefield and historic mission and fort footprint are paramount to our mission on top of preservation and then also creating a world-class visitor center and museum. So having that plaza back, it's a foundational piece for almost what the center of what the entire four and a half acre site actually um, really kind of the, the structures encompassed. We're talking all things Alamo tonight with Jonathan Yoon. Jonathan, to understand early Texas history and Texas independence, a visit to the Alamo is essential. Approximately how many visitors come to the Alamo today? So right now, the Alamo is the number one tourist destination in the state of Texas. We get 1.6 million uh, people annually from around the globe. And I should mention around the globe because we are part of the only UNESCO World Heritage Site in the state of Texas. We became a UNESCO World Heritage Site in July of 2015. We're very proud of that. We also have or are a uh, national uh, historic landmark for the United States. Uh, so a lot of big uh, designations for the, uh, the actual Alamo grounds, which to me helps to um, really um, amplify what the Alamo is about and getting that UNESCO uh, heritage designation there are people around the world that 
literally have or just make a point and have bucket lists to check off each and every UNESCO site to travel around the world. And we're very excited to have that since we have so many people coming to the historic grounds. Now, you were talking about the new visitor center and museum that's under construction, and it seems like that will be a great place to start for those who have little knowledge of the Alamo. But how do you plan to present three centuries of history for guests who might only be there for a day or two? Yes, it is, it is uh, paramount that we do focus on that. So the, the museum I mentioned, uh, it'll be a $150 million project, um, and within it, we'll have eight galleries, uh, seven that will be chronological in nature, focusing on many of the different points and periods of time, talking about the uh, native and indigenous people that actually arrived in San Antonio and settled along the San Antonio River and evolving forward through the Spanish colonial settlement, uh, Mexican rule and Texas Revolution, uh, the military uh, period, because the, the military, the U.S. Army, the first actual physical space that they occupied in Texas was the Alamo Church. It was actually a quartermaster depot that was very important for both the Spanish-American War as well as Western expansion. And then after that, talking about how the site uh, became the Shrine of Texas Liberty, going from uh, ruin to memorial, and then also having a gallery called the Long-Term Legacy Gallery, showing how Hollywood and the world became uh, connected with the Alamo uh, through the Fest Parker Disney television series, John Wayne's movie in the 1960s, Billy Bob Thornton in 2004, even the references to, uh, to Pee Wee Herman and his bike in the, the basement of the Alamo, which I can confirm there is not a basement in the Alamo. But I should state that we do have two on the grounds, one underneath Alamo Hall and one underneath the gift shop. And I, but I can also confirm that the bike is not there. So it's very important <laughs> that we are telling all these very, very important stories, and we are engaging with many stakeholders throughout the community. We have several uh, individual committees um, through our Alamo Museum Planning Committee and their subcommittees to talk about those very important narratives within each gallery. And I should also state, as I, I mentioned, the Woolworth Building, um, which is a state antiquities mark, uh, landmark that is connected to, to the, that specific block that will be part of that museum, there will be a civil rights gallery, which will be uh, very important. It will be uh, one of the first in San Antonio, and we're going to recreate that Woolworth lunch counter um, where, uh, again, it was a peaceful integration on March 16, 1960, and we're really looking forward to telling that story because the, the actual lunch counter was along and on top of the western wall of the Alamo. So we'll be telling the story of, 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 of the Alamo in its entirety in its full 300 years, which is very important, but mo most importantly that it wasn't just a site for Texas freedom, but American freedom as well. Mm. Now, how long does it take to tour the Alamo grounds? So that varies uh, d depending upon uh, what people want to do. Now, obviously, as, as, as Dan mentioned earlier, we want to have people come out for a, a couple of days of experience, like a full weekend. Um, Gallagher and Associates, which is our, our, our program manager, they actually did a lot of sites throughout the country. We're very excited to have them. Uh, they helped with Gettysburg. Uh, the World War II Museum in New Orleans, and they're also working on this project with the Alamo. Um, and so we're wanting to take what the average stay right now is, um, if people don't get a tour, they're on the grounds only for about half an hour. And we're really trying to change that, uh, because right now a lot of people come to the Alamo and they sometimes feel underwhelmed, and we, we want to change that mentality. So 
One thing that did recently change on March 3rd, we opened our new Ralston Family Collection Center, which before I started at the Alamo about a year and a half ago, and at that time we could only put 1%, 1% of our total artifacts on display, which absolutely blew my mind. And now today we can put about 500 items on display that are beautiful uh, documents all the way to multiple swords that were owned by Santa Anna, rifles that were owned by Davy Crockett, the original battle orders that Santa Anna carried into San Antonio during the battle, the actual mission founding document from the early 1700s. We have a guest log book at the Alamo from 1898 that President Theodore Roosevelt signed three years before he became president. Uh, we actually have the only known rifle that was at the Battle of the Alamo as well as the Battle of San Jacinto. So it's a treasure trove of many different items that people can, after now touring the church in Long Barrack, can uh, turn to the collection center and immerse themselves in all of this history and take as much time as they want. So if I had to say today, the average stay, if you really want to enjoy yourself, would be at least two hours. Wow. Well, visitors can tour the grounds on their own, right? But are there other guided or sightseeing tours available? Yes, yes. So uh, we we are open uh, every day of the year except for Christmas, and there are six tour slots throughout every day, uh, again, minus Christmas. Uh, and then also throughout the day we have audio tours that you can purchase and uh, roam the grounds uh, yourself. But I should mention we are in the process of creating a new Alamo app that will have augmented reality so that you can hold up your phone and look around the site to see what things looked like at different points and periods of time. That way you can find out when the doors were added to the church, when the roof was added, when the parapet, the shape on the top of the church was added. Because, again, not a lot of people know that the, the unique bell-shaped top wasn't created until the 1840s when the military arrived because they put a wooden pointed roof and they needed something to block that point. So the actual defenders of the Alamo never saw what that final shape on the top of the church uniquely looked like. Wow. What are some of the free daily activities that the Alamo offers to visitors? So we have uh, living historians on the grounds throughout the entire year. Um, however, we do special events also throughout the year, so you can go to the Alamo.org and look at our events page. For example, this Saturday, we have our U.S. Camel Corps Day, which is a very interesting piece of history. I actually personally just read up on this. It's very, very interesting. So prior to the Civil War, the United States Army uh, was looking for new and innovative ways for uh, traversing across the United States, and with Western expansion taking place, uh, they, they needed new ideas. So the War Department actually temporarily in the 1850s created the U.S. Camel Corps that was based in what was called Camp Verde. That was just about 60 miles north, northwest of San Antonio. Um, but on their way, they did stop at the Alamo. And so we'll be having a, a handful of camels on the grounds of the Alamo this Saturday if people would like to come out. Um, and, and meet a camel and hear more about this very unique part of U.S. military history as we used to have a camel corps as part of the United States Army. <laughs> that is fantastic. We're talking tonight with Jonathan Hune about the Alamo. And you're listening to Travel Witch Radio with Stan Schlossberg and Mary Ellen Nugent-Lee. Listen to us on iTunes or blogtalkradio.com or check out the archive show 
anytime on Facebook. Jonathan, the signature scalloped roof line of the Alamo was not part of the building until 1849. In fact, of the present Alamo building, probably only the bottom 23 feet of wall are part of the original. What was the initial fort like? So I have to ask a, a, your question with a question. When you say the fort, so there were many different military uh, occupations at, at, at different points in time. There was the Spanish military, the Mexican military, uh, the U.S. military, then the, con- the Confederate Army as well, and then the U.S. military again. So when you say fort specifically, was there a, a specific point in period of time? Because the Alamo has evolved considerably over time. Was there a, a particular period of time you were interested in what it looked like? I think the Battle of the Alamo is probably the good, good part to start. Good gotcha. place to start. Of course, of course. So as I mentioned, it was a four-and-a-half-acre site, not just the chapel that's known today. Um, so I'm trying to think how to describe this for your listeners on radio. Um, so mostly it was, it was completely surrounded by physical walls and structures, except for what was actually the Palisade. The Palisade exhibit, which is a new interpretation we put online in 2021, um, that is just adjacent to the actual church, just south of it, um, where it was kind of wooden spokes. That's where the uh, Davy Crockett and Tennessee Volunteers were stationed because they were the best shots. Um, so the entire structure itself was very fortified. They had many walls. It was a community. They had protection from the outside inside these walls, um, mostly fortified minus the palisade. Um, but that was a huge vulnerability, although the Mexican troops actually first invaded on the northern wall and invaded at that point in time until uh, the Alamo defenders, their final resting, pl- or, excuse me, their final uh, battle place was actually within the Alamo Long Barrack, which still stands today. Um, I, I hope that kind of explains it. It's hard to really describe it in detail over, uh, over the telephone, but, but let me know if you have any uh, supplemental questions in regards to that. Okay, the iconic Alamo Church inspires opportunities for quiet reflection. What are some of the actions already underway to preserve the church? Yes. So our conservator could really go into a lot more detailed questions than I can. As I, as I mentioned, we have uh, a, a recent $400 million appropriations that just came through for, uh, the Alamo for a, about a month ago, and $50 million of that does go to the preservation work of the Alamo, which is paramount. That's really the number one priority that we have as part of the Alamo plan to ensure that our 300-year-old structures are standing for future generations and for another 300 years. Um, But I should state that a lot of archaeological investigations are ongoing and seeing what we can do to ensure that um, those structures are standing. A lot of work has been ongoing, especially, for example, like mortar injections on the western wall of the actual uh, long barrack itself and then the northern wall of the church we've had i'm not sure if your listeners up in the northeast they, they might laugh at us but we, we've had a lot more snow in the last couple of years than usual and we had what we call um winter storm yuri down in texas which when we had a, a lot of snow for a solid i'd say seven to nine days uh, a lot of our structures especially the alamo just weren't used to that and that did have an impact on those historic structures and we are doing a lot of uh, testing on the walls, um, especially the northern wall, the, uh, the original roofs uh, of the sacristine, uh, baptism. Uh, those are things that we are investigating constantly. But we do have a contract in place with uh, a, a new team 
uh, specifically um, some experts out of Italy that have been dealing with historic structures that are much, much older than the Alamo. So we're looking forward to moving forward and preserving this uh, very iconic and important American historical structure. And during restoration, Jonathan, where are the hundreds of historic items in the Alamo's collection being housed? Can you tell us about what's in that collection? Yes, yes. Um, So we have what we call the Alamo Vault, which is very, very important. Um, Humidity, temperature control is is the name of the game when it comes to any items. And we do have uh, items that go back to the 1600s that are very important, and we are always looking to acquire more. But we have about 4,300 items to date, Um, things that go back to, as I mentioned earlier, the original mission uh, founding document, um, uh, also swords from Sam Houston, uh, we've got, uh, I'm trying to think what else that I hadn't mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, we have Travis's ring that was actually contained um, in the Alamo battle until he actually put it out on horseback just prior to the final fall of the actual mission. Uh, just a number of beautiful um, items uh, that even go well beyond the battle itself because the church actually existed 80 years before the battle. Um, so we're always trying to acquire items that uh, span the entire 300-year history. And back in October, we actually in, uh, acquired a new collection called the Donald and Luis uh, Yena Spanish Colonial Collection that go back to the 1700s that have, for example, a Cherokee bow and, uh, and, uh, and an arrow, spears. We have uh, a, a fiddle that was actually carved of the original wood from the original Alamo roof but just a multitude of items that are contained right now within the collection center, but we need to have the new full museum open in 2027 so that we can house all of these breathtaking items so that people in the public can come out and see them after they tour the Alamo and Long Barrack. We're talking tonight with Jonathan Newman about the Alamo, just about two minutes to go. Jonathan, how can travelers combine a visit to the Alamo with some of San Antonio's other highlights, like a cruise along the San Antonio Riverwalk? That's a great question. So, yes, uh, tourism is huge in San Antonio. As we were talking about and alluding to earlier, we're the number one tourist attraction in the state of Texas. And number two, believe it or not, is the San Antonio Riverwalk, which is just a few steps away from the Alamo. And part of the Alamo plan, we're actually going to be renovating that, what's called the Lower Paseo and Paseo area. So that connection between the Riverwalk and Alamo is uh, really kind of a more grand arrival and and, uh, show of reverence and respect as you're arriving from the Riverwalk to the Alamo. But there are a lot of different things uh, that you can see in San Antonio. Uh, As I mentioned, we're part of the only UNESCO World Heritage Site. The other portions are the other four historical missions, which are overseen by the National Park Service, uh, just south of San Antonio. The Alamo was the first, um, but the other missions are very, very important to our cultural history here in San Antonio and highly recommend if people do come out that they not only connect with the Alamo, but also connect with those additional missions as well. We're talking tonight with Jonathan Hewn about the Alamo. Live firings of the Flint Rock musket, the main weapon used at the Battle of the Alamo, are very popular. When and where can visitors catch these demonstrations? Yes. So every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday at 11.30 a.m. and 1.30 p.m., we do have those live firing demonstrations. They are fantastic. Our Living History Group does an outstanding job, um, and it is 
it, I will say it is very loud and reverberating, but it is thrilling to see in person and on the grounds of the Alamo these wonderful live fire demonstrations. And tell our listeners where they can get more information about the Alamo. Certainly. So anytime they're interested, they can go to www.thealamo.org for more information about the wonderful Shrine of Texas Liberty. Our guest tonight on Travel It's Radio has been Jonathan Yoon, Director of Communications and Community Outreach at the Alamo Trust. And now that baseball season is two months old and we've passed a quarter pole, actually the halfway mark, there's nothing better for off days or rain delays than a good baseball book like my latest, Baseball's Memorable Misses, an unabashed look at baseball's craziest zeros. Get it tonight from Amazon.com. And that's it for this edition of Travel It's Radio. Next week, same time, same station, we'll travel to Arizona to discover the historic Grand Canyon Railway, 100th anniversary this year. Now, this is Dan Schlossberg, along with Mary Ellen Nugent Lee, saying thank you for your time this time. Until next time, good night and stay safe.